Welcome. Welcome to Conversations in Compassion, a podcast by Dignity Maine, a program of Agape, and made possible by the contributions to Agape. Thank you. This is a different podcast. Instead of interviews, we have conversations. This is my attempt to demonstrate examples of what I call compassionate conversation. Through these conversations, I hope to address the discord in our families, in our communities, and in ourselves. And finally, to focus on the greatest need of our time, the need for compassion. The first is that I wanted to say to people that, you know, when you listen to Anne, you can hear the journey, the very parts of her that she took in as part of her family of origin. And then you can pick the stories and how they evolve through her life wanting the deep connection and finding deep connection by caring for somebody who should be caring for herself, who should have been caring for her, and never really being able to believe that she was lovable. And as you listen through it, I'd love you to hear the markers in her life, the place in the complicated grief she comes to the line and wonders about the value of her life and then finding the smells and the touch of the garden. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being here and doing this process with me uh, called Conversations in Compassion. And I just really would love uh, to hear your journey as you've gone through substance use disorder and uh, in terms of your relationship with people, member of Al-Anon, just your view of it all. Well, thank you for having me, Stephen. Um, it's, it's been a long journey. Um, starting from a very young age with a very dysfunctional family, um, lots of alcoholism. Uh, I learned the wrong tools growing up and took that into my adulthood and had quite a few uh, unfortunate relationships with people and... It really made me who I was, that experience, um, that unhealthy experience with people just kept growing and growing on me, and um, I turned to many different things, um, not really things that I love to admit, but sex addiction and um, not alcoholism, that's never been my, my thing, but uh, certainly drug addiction and codependence on people. And uh, I'd like to think that I'm 
that I've done better through the years with lots of uh, help through recovery and my continued recovery. You could, you could feel that growing up in a family where there were certain rules, certain ways of doing things that really made a substantial difference on how you made decisions and what you did for the rest of your life. It did. Uh, communication, um, healthy communication was never a part of my life. It was, um, it was anger and negativity that was pretty much forced down all our throats for, for many, many years. And that really became my demon in most relationships. That was my MO that I brought to someone that I met even for the first time. I think it didn't take very long to see where I came from, the harshness that I brought, that protective cover that I carry with me. Yeah. So those were the tools that I kept close to my heart. Yeah, that learning that criticism of others and that harshness and was what did two things for you. One was the language you grew up with, and second, it protected you and it kept you alone and isolated. It did, and it felt good. You know, it felt in in that unhealthy way. It felt good to be in control of my situations. And, you know, as many times as I felt that perhaps, well, I really should reach out in this world and stop being this little hermit that I felt that I was, I made fast relationships, you know, very intense, fast relationships, and they always fizzled out. I put a thousand percent of my energy into it and divulged so much and thought that, you know, being vulnerable that way would make people appreciate who I was and the strength that I had, but it was all just such a facade, and it didn't take long for that to, for that to, you know, I've lost so many relationships that way, unfortunately. You could feel that, you know, that's the sex addiction you were talking about, that you kind of leaned in and was just gave everything you had, and mm-hmm. and then it would fizzle out because there wasn't even you in there. You lost you. That's right. And then you would do one and then do another and do another out of this desire to be loved. That's, That's right. right. It, it, it was, was desperation. desperation. It was, and I, it, even, even today, it's really kind of difficult for me to understand it, um, what brought me to the relationships that I did, that I had, I'm sorry. Um, as long as the relationship was, was fresh and mm. new, mm. then it was exciting. Mm. But as soon as, as, soon as um, things got a little too close, then either that person pulled away and I panicked, mm-hmm. or... I walked away, and they didn't care, and I panicked. Mm. So, that, so it was really a double-edged sword on 
the experience that I had. And, you know, something that you said to me just a short time ago has changed has really changed the way that I think of things when you said that addictions are never cured. They never go away. And, you know, I don't know why I felt that, you know, when you're one and done with recovery. And that's made a huge difference in my life to when I have a certain need or feeling that that's what it is. Mm. It's just it's just the addiction talking, and it's whether you act on it or you don't. And just those little things really help. It, you can really feel that me. compulsion, mm-hmm. the, the compulsion to connect with people deeply, and then when they differentiate or even pull away a little bit, you can feel the desperation and right. the anger and the rage, and right. and then you want something fresh right. so that get the connection again. And you could feel this connection, differentiation, connection, differentiation. It set up an addiction for you. That's right. And you thought, well, if I do a little bit of work on it, I go to counseling, I do this, it will go away. And it never went away. So you just kept kind of being critical. Mm-hmm. Like, why doesn't it go away? That's true. It's so, it's very insidious the way that it works. You know, it, when, you know, the, the whole Al-Anon acronym, um, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you know, that's when I, when I find myself in a place like that, that's where I'm weakened. And, and I think what, what I have brought to the many relationships in my life is, is the anger at first, it's the lust, and it's the passion, and it's the fun, and the stimulation, and then it's the anger. Then it's the anger at if I think if I think about it now, it's the anger of what it means or what it doesn't mean. Yeah. It and you grew up with that, and you you're amazed that it gets recreated over and over and over mm-hmm. in your life. And I love how you said when I'm hungry or I'm angry, I'm lonely, I'm tired, I'm so vulnerable to being pulled, almost like a hypnotic pull. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to, it, it's hard to keep those things um in con- it's hard to be in control of those things, especially, you know, just being a human being and life as it is with grief as it is that I find myself in those, in one of those areas, it seems all the time, mm-hmm. every day, every day feels like a battle for me. Some days are better and some days are not. And it's always it's it's always um, it's always twenty four hours of work for me <laughs> to to not to not right right to not follow that pull That's compulsion right. that that pull if That's you will right. back to an addiction whether it's right. cementing yourself in a relationship or 
doing some drugs or doing yep. something that kind of medicates you yep. in some way. Yep. That self-medicative piece. Absolutely. And you're tired of having to do it every day. Mm-hmm. I am tired of that, and I feel it. You know, it's palpable to me, the um, my decades of of having to try to be a good person, mm. you know, and not always coming through. Right, and in your childhood growing up with a lot of anger and disappointment and uh, this this kind of uh, criticism and so on, it's, it's just right, it feels like it's right there. That's right. All the time. That's right. And you don't want to do that to people. No. I've gotten better with that. I think... Um, through the death of my mother and through the whole process, I think I've become a much gentler person. I don't find myself angry and lashing out like I did even five years ago. Mm-hmm. So that has been that has been a wonderful change in my life that makes me feel just so much better about myself and where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, when she died there was something there that sort of shifted you a little bit to be more gentle. Mm-hmm. Not at first. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not at first. Um, the death of my mother has been such a life changer for me. Um, She passed away in 2017 of Alzheimer's, and it, you know, it's, it, it was, it was just a very complicated time in my life, complicated grief in my life. Uh, We had a very loving relationship toward the end of her life, but prior to that was complicated. She was, you know, she had her demons Mm. and shared them well, and Mm. um, a lot of my struggle in my life, I think, and I certainly don't want to throw blame, Mm. you know, I don't mean to make it sound like that, but a lot of my demons were handed down Mm. quite directly from her. But grieve her death, I certainly did. It was frightening. It was frightening the level of grief that I felt. It, it was, uh, she, she was very, very critical of you most of your life. And then when you started to loving her and then she died. Right. And the way she dies was she's drifting away. Right. It just brought up an incredible amount of grief for you. It did. Uh, she changed as, as she, you know, and, and it's and it's such a sad thing to say that when she started showing signs of dementia is really when she became the mother that I wanted, and that makes me so sad to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she became gentle and loving and accepting and non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. And our relationship was so loving at that time. 
but then the disease took over and that's certainly not the mother that I that I really wanted anymore was this struggling human being just to get through just to get through a day mm-hmm. you know yeah it's it's quite remarkable when she shifted to this gentle loving human you started to become gentle loving and human you know i d- i'm not sure if if that is exactly when it happened because after after her death even before her death um my grief started i was i was scared i didn't really know in my 50s how to lose such a big part of my life. Um, after her death, I went through a period of, of hating myself and hating who I was, and I was one big ball of anger and anxiety and anger that was it frightened me. You know, I really got a, I really got a taste of, I really got a taste of what complicated grief was mm. about. Mm. Uh, just by myself was, was a scary place to be with no noise on and just alone was, even just thinking about it now kind of gives me the chills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, and I think it took... I think after the first year, I think it did take a full year for me to then finally, I remember, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a gardener by career, and that spring after she died, almost a full year after she died, I remember truly hearing and smelling and feeling the beauty of the earth Mm. and I've been in this business for for quarter of a century and it was you know I always loved my job and but this was the first time that it touched my heart all these senses and that's when it started to change Mm. that spring the spring of 2018 Mm. is I can say is is when my life started getting better. Your mom passes away. You can feel the rage and the anger that you grew up with. It didn't go at her. It went internally and really was very judgmental of you and almost in a question mark, like, should I be living? And then as you stayed with that complicated grief, you called it. Yeah, I did. I definitely went through a period of time that, you know, I'm not going to survive this. I'm Mm. not going to survive it. And during that winter, I went through extreme high anxiety of, of not sleeping, 
not a matter of, well, I slept. You know, I really did sleep, but I didn't sleep. But I didn't sleep. I would lay in bed for eight hours and just think about that I'm, I'm going to die. Mm. And in the next, and then periods after that was really not even caring mm. if I did mm. because it would feel better. You know, I, un- I understand, you know, I never had... I never had, you know, suicidal feelings, but I understand how people can get there. That fine line of mm. stepping over would be kind of easy. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I, you know, but when you get to that desperate place to just make the pain stop, you know. And you could see that what you were doing was reenacting almost your family of origin because it was rageful, it was critical, it was, and that now that you had to walk into the feelings of grief, that it all came back to you. And you walked right up to the line. You didn't step over, but you walked right up to the line. I did. I did, and for a period of time, I felt that, and it's, I felt I was with my mom when she died. I was with, you know, a, a foot away from her face when she passed away. And for a long period after that, I felt that when she took her last breath, she was passing me all her demons. Mm-hmm. And that scared me, and I, I felt it. I felt those demons. I felt that anger. I felt that all the rage that she ever had, I felt like I was just nurturing it hmm. and acting out on it. Not not so much with with people, but with myself. With it went myself. internal. Yeah, it went internal. Yep. And it was it was. I mean, I love how you described it. You know, you can almost feel like her energy mm-hmm. of rage. Not her loving kindness, but her rage, That's right. her trauma of her life being passed as she's leaving us to you. That's right. And you can feel this demon, as you called it, which kept you up at night, made you constantly wonder how you were going to make it through. Right. I always felt this connection with my mother, uh, this not necessarily a good connection. I always felt that she shared with me the, her scary feelings of what she went through in life, mm-hmm. which is so inappropriate right. for a child. And we had that connect. That connection was very strong. So when, so it, it just, you know, it doesn't surprise me that I felt that way after she died that, okay, we had this, you know, this connection of hostility, of the li- life isn't fair, that she passed that over to me to carry on for her. Mm-hmm. And I was, grief is so complicated. You know, as much as I cried and sobbed over her death, there was just so much anger there mm-hmm. at her mm-hmm. for letting me have this, for letting me, 
for allowing me to have this experience mm. of her loss. Yeah, she, um, she, throughout your childhood, took all of her despair and said, instead of going to other adults, she gave it to you as her child. And then you could feel that the rest of my life I'm working off her despair. That's right. Yeah. I've heard... Um, of her suicide attempt that I stopped at 12. And I always kept that close to my heart like I rescued her. Right. And that's the complicated thing with, with Alzheimer's is there's no rescuing. You know, there's no... It's all, it, it really is tied in for me. It's still, even now, you know, five years later, it's still, it's still a complicated, it's still a complicated grief. Mm. Yeah. Your description is so clear that I may not even have known who the heck I was from my childhood and from being a 12-year-old who's now the rescuer of my mom's life. To, to going on, and so I wonder, who am I? And I want love, so I go after my sex addiction. I go after these fast, quick yep. connections, and then I'm when they pull away, I don't know pulling away. Right. I don't know what differentiation is. I don't have any idea. So I feel angry and rageful. And all I felt was that I was a bad person, always. 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 Yeah. And I acted out that way. It's like, you know. It was a one solace point for you. That's right. And that solace point was actually your gardens. That's right. There's a, you, you described it so beautifully. You said, uh, that spring, I could smell. I could see differently. I could feel differently. The gardens that I was tending. And I remember, um, because I went through this period of grief um, in a group with you, and I remember you pointing out to me that, because I, I believe I did share mm-hmm. that, that, you know, the whole spring experience uh, with the group, and you pointed out to me that, do you feel... Perhaps you felt, do you think you felt that way because it was almost a relief now that you could be who you were meant to be? And I had never thought of it that way and that there was so much clarity in that that I can, and I think perhaps a lot of people feel that way, you know, when they lose someone, especially a parent, a complicated relationship that you can now be the person that you were meant to be. And that made sense to me. But it took me and is taking me Mm. a long time to find that sweet spot Mm. of where I'm accepting of myself and forgiving of myself. There are good days but there were probably more still negative days about 
you really are a bad person, Ann. You know, mm. that that speak. Yeah. yeah. The first thought. Yeah. You can almost feel it when you wake up. That's and right. You feel this historical trauma almost. Uh, to That's right. You're not, you're not, you don't matter. Yeah. That you're not lovable. Except to my animals. I mean, that's my passion. Mm. It is my passion. Mm. And they have kept me through these years probably saner than anybody else mm. in my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, that was unconditional love mm-hmm. that they have with you and for you. And yeah. It finally just, it's not, it doesn't feel like there's anything else. Right. And over the past four years, I've lost 10 dogs. Mm. Um, and five weeks ago, I lost um, probably my closest dog. And that's the closest I have felt to grief that I felt with my mom was during probably a two-week period was, was just horrible. Mm. But it was a different grief. It wasn't complicated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you didn't. You knew that this was the evolution. That's right. Of life and death. That's right. And in the case of your mom, you were supposed to take care of her and not let her die. Yeah. So it became very complicated. But yeah. with the dog, it was a different grief. Absolutely. It was saying goodbye, still painful, and such a teaching moment for you yeah yeah i want to thank you for this conversation thank you Stephen. it's therapeutic for me i really appreciate it thank you it's uh so real you know your process and i'm i'm touched by the you know what happens to us in our family of origin you know around all that addiction and all that enmeshment and um, and then what happens to us is we grow up and can we recognize how much those, those traumas are our first thought? And then there's a second thought, which is I yearn to love. Mm-hmm. This is what you were talking about in terms of your gardens and your animals. And the pure stuff. Yeah. The pure stuff. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for listening to today's conversation. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcast. I'd like to give a heartfelt thanks to all the contributors to Agape Inc their support in making this podcast possible. If you care to join us, please go to DignityMain.com to get involved. Thank you. Thank you again for being here. And take good care.